and a warm welcome to Friday's programme. I'm a man in my word, a man in my word, a man in my word, so I am. Welcome. It's exactly three o'clock here in the UK. That is Greenwich Mean Time. I'm Richie Allen, the BBG, going to be with you for 90 minutes, maybe even two hours, to run the rule over a few interesting stories. Shall we do it, you and me? Shall we do it? Let's do it. Contact me via the website richieallen.co.uk. Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. You are very welcome indeed. I like the the Friday thing when it happens every now and then. It's a nice change, so it is. It's drive time with the big baldy gammon. So if you're driving somewhere, sit back, put the car on cruise control, observe the speed limits, and just chill out. That's what I advise you do. Like I said, chat, one or two giggles maybe, and a few choice tunes between now and whenever this Friday afternoon. Well, the interview I conducted, it's a terrible phrase, my conversation with Justin Barrett, the leader of the National Party in Ireland, it caused a bit of a stir on social media today. Just a little bit, with some very irate leftist types. I don't know what you call these people. Because I was a socialist for many a year. And if you tortured me, dear listener, if you tied me down and got a blowtorch and you pointed it at me privates and you said, what are you now? I'd have to say Bolivarian socialism was always what I was most interested in. You know, the workers' right to control the means of production and all of this stuff. You know this, right? So, um, So I don't know who these people are. They're not leftists. But they go absolutely mad. They lose their excrement, don't they? When when somebody they don't like is given a platform. Because Justin Barrett from the National Party in Ireland is not welcome on the Irish airwaves and isn't afforded the chance to speak about issues that are of concern to him and to his supporters. So all that remains for Justin and many others are shows like the Richie Allen Show. Now, there's only one Richie Allen Show. No, no, I'm not being arrogant. But you know what I mean, right? So um, so he came on. And the thing that's very interesting about this, and I won't dwell on it because you and I have talked about this many times in the past, but certain phrases have entered our, our world, have come into our lives, the lexicon. And one of them is platforming. It's a lovely phrase, really. I was accused today of platforming Nazis and stuff like that. The best that I can tell, I don't know Justin Barrett personally, but as far as I can tell, he's he's not a Nazi. Uh, apparently, some people uh, took umbrage at the fact that 20 years ago or more, he went to Germany and he met with some organisations there and gave a speech and apparently um, he was aligned then with their views and he was called a Nazi. This has been mentioned a thousand times in the newspaper and I think the first time I spoke with... Um, not with Justin. I spoke with somebody from the National Party a few years ago. Not many years ago. It wasn't Rebecca Barrett either. But anyway, look, this 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 was is always thrown up. I, I don't see the guy as a Nazi. 
But platforming is a very interesting one. And it's very sinister. Because the implication of accusing someone of platforming someone else is the implication is that you are aligned with their, or you are in alignment with their worldview, which is, of course, a nonsense. And I don't mean in the case of Justin Barrett. It's a nonsense in the case of anybody. You don't bring a guest onto a radio show because you are aligned with their perspective, with their worldview. You bring people on. In my case, I like to bring people on whose worldview I don't share, as much as I can anyway, and try to uh, have a conversation with them to kind of flesh out why they see things as they do. You never know, you might learn something. And the way it is in Ireland, the Irish government is telling people that all is fine and dandy and rosy in the garden and that everything is hunky-dory. There's nothing to see here. Everything is fine. The country is moving forward. It's wonderful to be a member of the European Union. There isn't any problems with migration. There are no problems at all with housing. And we did the right thing during the pandemic. Sure, didn't we save so many lives? So that's what the Irish government is doing. And the media in Ireland, the mainstream media, is parroting that point of view. There are many, many people in Ireland who don't share that view. They don't believe the government. They certainly don't believe the media, but they don't have anywhere to go and express their their opinions to explain their side of it, to give their side of the story. They just don't. And again, this is why the independent media has grown up initially. And, uh, and that's what, what it is we do. I enjoyed speaking with Justin Barrett last night. He made a lot of sense. I don't know what's going on in Ireland. I don't. I know what RTE, the state broadcaster, says. I know what the Irish Times says. I know what the Independent says. And I know what Ireland's commercial radio stations are doing. But I know that most of that is monumental bollocks. I want to hear what people who are challenging the state narrative and the state media narrative, I want to hear them, and hence I had them on. But it's hilarious, this notion of deep plat- of, of platforming people. And th- this, of course, is water off a duck's back to me. But it does, it's meant to do, and it does do, and it will continue to do, it'll scare people away from speaking to, uh, it'll scare content creators away from speaking to the alternative viewpoint, or, or for listening to those with an alternative viewpoint. And that is exactly what it is meant to do. Don't forget the Tory MP Desmond Swain being told that he would have the whip removed and he would not be allowed to sit in the Commons as a Conservative Party MP if he ever came back on the Richie Allen show. Not because of anything I ever said, but because of the guests who came on the programme. He platforms people. It's really strange. If you go on my Twitter, you'll see some of the nonsense. It's funny. It's tragic, really. Because it's an inversion. If you go out of your way to silence and to ban and to keep off the airwaves people who have opinions that you don't agree with, well, you're the fascist. They're not fascist. You're the fascist, really. Look in the mirror, you know. Otherwise, get on to a radio programme like this and challenge these people face to face. I'm quite happy to bring Justin Barrett back on. And not just Justin, this is not about Justin, it just happens to be he's the most recent, I suppose, controversial guest. And very little controversial in what he said to me last night, to be honest. But um, it's the same for many guests that I've had whose opinions would be 
considered conservative right, right of centre or or right wing, basically. Christian, conservative, whatever you want to call that. It's the same thing. They scream about them. They call them names, but they'll never appear with them. And this is a funny thing. I've often spoken to friends about mine. I find this fascinating because when I was at uni, I couldn't wait to get into a debate situation with people whose views I either disagreed with or whose views I thought were repugnant. Because you're very self-righteous when you're a student, aren't you? And you find all manner of opinions repugnant. But we never wanted people to be denied the opportunity to explain what it is they 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 believe and how they came to believe that. That's the thing. Yeah, anyway, it's quite funny it made me laugh today. It is eight and a half minutes past the hour of three o'clock. I've loads for you. God, I have loads. I have a bag full of content, dear listener. I have content up to me tits here at uh, BBG Towers in Salford. That's strike number one, Bowley. You said you wouldn't swear. Are you laughing at the United States going into meltdown, the government, and going public and claiming that China now is using spy balloons in its airspace? Are you laughing your backsides off? Um, The US has satellites in orbit that can read a handwritten note placed on the street, and they're whinging about this balloon they say entered US airspace, and it's got to be the Chinese spying on us. It's terrible. Uh, The Chinese say it's a wayward weather device. Of course it is. Uh, They're all at it, of course, every single one of them. What's the big deal about this? I, I can't figure it out. Tell me, share with me if you know. And do you remember that Egid who turned up to Windsor Castle with the crossbow? Remember? He walked up to a protection officer with a crossbow and informed him that he was here to kill the late Queen Elizabeth II. Remember that? <laughs> that dipstick. Imagine that, you've got a crossbow. And you, you, you go to a protection officer. How are you? Yeah, not too bad yourself. I'm grand. Where's the Queen? Why do you want to know? I, I'm here to kill her. With this this crossbow. And he's pled guilty, or pleaded guilty, pled pleaded to a charge under the Treason Act. And this guy's name is um, Jaswant Singh Kyle, or Chile. He's from Hampshire. He was arrested on Christmas Day two years ago, 2021, one and a half years ago, whatever, when Elizabeth, the Queen at the time, was living at Windsor because of the COVID, because of the COVID. She was sequestered, she was isolated, right? So at the Old Bailey, this guy Chael, we'll call him Chael, C-H-A-I-L, he's only 21, he's uh, pleaded guilty to three charges, and he's the first person in the UK to be convicted of treason since 1981. Is that Michael Fagan? Was he? Because he, he got into the Queen's bedroom, didn't he? Around about that time? Or was it somebody else? Michael Fagan got into the Queen's bedroom, sat on the end of the bed, and had a bit of a chinwag with her until he was led away and sent to a padded cell. That's what happened. He broke into her bedroom and sat there, really calm. How's it going, Your Majesty? You all right, yeah? The weather's a bit shite, isn't it? Next thing he's being led down the stairs, out the door and into a paddy wagon. I think it's him that was convicted in 1981. Uh, This guy admitted making threats to kill, possessing the loaded crossbow in the grounds of the castle and he will be sentenced on March 31st. He's obviously a bit mad. Feckin' Egypt. A treason, though, does still carry the death penalty on some dusty old law book on a shelf somewhere. It does. 
they might sentence him to purification by pain. Like uh, William Wallace and Braveheart, you remember that? Confess now, and we'll make it quick, otherwise it's purification by pain. Kensington Palace, 3.30pm, someday in April. Hung, drawn and quartered. Uh, go to ticketmaster.co.uk for details. Due to unprecedented demand, there's a limit of two tickets per household. They were gruesome back in medieval times, were they not? They had a they had a whole department charged with dreaming up the most horrific of deaths, so they did. Anyhow, let's talk about some serious things. It's 13 minutes past three. It's Richie Allen with you live on richieallen.co.uk, Fab Radio 2 in Manchester, and I'm on the TuneIn application as well. TuneIn.com. How are you? Message me, richieallen.co.uk, comment live. Bill Gates has been interviewed by the BBC. Interview. I'd like you to do that thing with your with your fingers, your forefingers and your middle fingers, where you do the inverted commas. Do that with me. Let's do it together. Interview. <laughs> interview. The BBC doesn't interview anybody. Uh, it's This is... Um, what would you call it? It's too easy to call it propaganda. It's an infomercial for Billy Gates, the biggest donor to the World Health Organization, the man whose vaccines have killed more people in India and in Africa than famine. Yeah, but he was on the BBC with Amal Rajan, who I think is a breakfast radio presenter for Radio 4. And Gates said that he would rather pay for vaccines than travel to Mars. He's such a cad. Uh, which he doesn't think is a good use of money. Let's hear a bit of this. Gates with Amol Rajan. This is an infomercial for Billy Gates. Let's hear Just it. on Elon, would you encourage him to join your club of mega philanthropists, you, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, people who give away most of their wealth? Yeah, I think someday he'll be a great philanthropist. Obviously, you know, things like Tesla having positive impact uh, even without being a, a form of philanthropy. But at the end of the day, I don't think he'll, other than going to Mars a few times, uh, <laughs> which might cost a little bit, uh, I don't think he'll want to spend it on himself. So yeah, someday I think he will uh, join the rank of uh, philanthropist using his ingenuity. Is going to Mars, whether funded by him or others, is that a good use of money? Uh, not in my view, but... Because uh, there's more pressing things to do on Earth. Definitely, and it's actually quite expensive to go to Mars. Have you, have you looked into yeah. it? <laughs> have you got buy, somewhere to do a little breakdown? A, so. you, know, you can buy measles vaccines and save lives for $1,000 per life saved. And so it just kind of grounds you as in don't go, to, don't go to Mars. Don't go to Mars. Whatever you do, don't go to Mars. That's big Billy Gates speaking with Amal Rajan. Is that the extent of it? Did they talk about anything serious? Let's have a listen. Here's a bit more of it for you. Who made you God? I'm not God. I mean, Who made you God? That's a question. I mean, uh, as a percentage of the world economy, you know, I'm, I'm kind of rounding there. But yes, I decided that the death of children, when I read that diarrhea was killing a half million children and that the vaccine to stop those deaths was being given to the rich kids, but not to the poor kids, I said, wow. He got really pissed off when he found out that the vaccine to stop diarrhea was given to rich kids, but not poor kids. But you don't need a vaccine to stop diarrhea. You just need clean water. Properly prepared food. That's all you need, really. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? A vaccine for the trots. A vaccine for diarrhoea. Wow. Clean water, sanitation, properly cooked food, and, and you're in. No need for the jab. Now I know the 
area of inequity, most of my money will go go on. During the pandemic, Gates became the subject of countless conspiracy theories. I did not expect that, but you know, during the pandemic, there were you know tens of millions of messages about that you know I intentionally caused it or I'm tracking people, which it's true I'm involved with vaccines, but I'm involved with vaccines to save lives. You know, I guess why do they giggle when they say stuff like that? It's not it's not a point in a sentence where you would giggle. I'm involved with vaccines, but I'm involved to save lives, not to take lives. And right in the middle of that, he giggles like a little girl. Anyway, people are looking for the the boogeyman behind the curtain, the oversimplistic explanation that its malvolence is a lot easier to understand than biology. Greta Thunberg credits her Asperger's as her special power. What's your special power? This is some interview. This is a BBC Radio 4 presenter speaking to Bill Gates, whose vaccines have killed people in every country they have been distributed, and that is not conspiracy theory. A guy who donates more money to the World Health Organization than anybody else. A man who has basically purchased academia in the United Kingdom. He basically owns our Ivy League universities, the research departments. There are better things to talk about with that shit weasel than asking him about uh, conspiracy theories. Ah, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And going to Mars. And do you think Elon will spend money for the good of humanity just like you? This is piss, isn't it? It is piss dressed up as journalism. You know, defining whether somebody's on the Asperger spectrum is a pretty vague thing. But, you know, my ability to concentrate... uh, He laughs again. My ability to concentrate... ...is very high. Uh... And when I was young, it was weird, weirdly high, you know, to memorize things and, uh, you know, try out my my thinking, you know, which made science and math super interesting. And then I discovered software and was able to throw all my energy into that. He's such a lying bastard, Gates, isn't he? Gates imagines that we've forgotten about the antitrust lawsuits in the United States in the 1980s and 1990s. He thinks we are thickeens or jackeens that we don't remember, that his software was basically shit. It still is. And that um, anti-competitive, I'm not going to get into that. We know how disgusting this man is. Bill Gates getting an easy ride from the BBC in an infomercial disguised as journalism. No questions whatsoever from Amal Rajan. Bill, how many people have your vaccines killed in India and Africa? Bill, how many deaths do you think have occurred as a direct consequence of the COVID mRNA jabs? Please, Bill, do you have any idea? Do you really want to spread vaccines and food so that people cannot refuse them, Bill? Really? Bill, have you ever actually had sex? Are those really your children, you gormless geek? Those are the questions, dear listener, that you'd want to be asking someone like Billy Gates, right? At least I would, anyway. It's 19 minutes past the hour, Friday the 3rd of February 2023. The BBG with your drive time. I'll get a traffic update from the Skycopter in three minutes. The Skycopter. That's the ambition for the Richie Allen Show. John Farnham's You Are The Voice back with your comments in a moment. John Farnham, you're the voice on your Richie Allen Show. 24 minutes past 3 o'clock. The weekend is here. 
Are you excited? What are you doing this weekend, dear listener? Yo, shy talk here. What are you doing? I'm going to see Crystal Palace at Old Trafford tomorrow, United Palace. That's my weekend, really. Looking forward to that. Three o'clock kickoff. We'll talk a little bit about football a bit later on in the programme, but not about the game itself, so don't panic. Don't switch off, please. We won't be talking about tactics or results or any of that old shite. Steve, thank you for the link. He says, Bill Gates and the world's elite do not vaccinate their own children. And Steve has posted a link making this claim. The problem with these stories, Steve, is nobody can be sure or nobody can know for certain whether Bill Gates and his ex-wife Melinda, in fact, vaccinate their children or not. I would imagine they don't, so I'm not being contrary here, Steve, but people make these claims. And it's really clickbait stuff on clickbait websites pertaining to be, you know, pretending to be news websites. Remember that awful fool at the People's Voice? It's one of the biggest regrets in my life ever meeting a guy called Sean Adel, uh, a British-Iranian kid who's... um, who, who, who was largely responsible for the failure of the People's Voice in London. A real shit gibbon. I said shit weasel earlier on. He was a shit gibbon, this adult guy. He's making a fortune out of doing this with a website I'm not going to name, making wild claims about Bill Gates and others because people will naturally click on them. And this every click means money for shit gibbons like Sean Adel and his husband, whose name I can't remember. Dreadful people. And that's the, this is this, I'm not getting into it because we're happy today, but this is the problem I have, not just with the indie media, but with the consumers of it. We need to be a bit more discerning. Steve, I would guess that Gates, if he's in the know about the dangers of vaccines, I guess they probably didn't jab their children, but nobody knows for sure, you see. The only people who will know are Gates, his ex-wife, and the family doctor. And thank you to Stuart for sending me a link to an article in the Daily Mail, which was published today. And I didn't see this, so this is brand new. It's John Eli, the senior health reporter for the Mail Online. John Eli. This is mad stuff. This this is mad stuff. (laughs) Let me read the headline. The headline on its own is very funny indeed, so it is no. Let me read the headline now. You won't believe it now, so you won't. It says, exclusive. Exclusive, it says. Womb transplants for trans women are very likely in the near future. Claim top fertility experts. So here's how world first op would be carried out. Fuck off. No, Brian, it's real, the headline. Womb transplants for trans women very likely in the near future claim top fertility experts and there is a story on the Mail Online explaining how it would happen. Fuck off. No, no, I'm telling you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a procedure that infertile women around the world are already getting and they've figured out a way. Uh, I can't get into this because I haven't read it but there's, there's all sorts of graphics If you want to read more about this, first of all, don't do it when I'm talking to you, you rude bastard. Wait till the programme is over to do it. But womb transplants for trans women. A trans woman is gibberish. A trans woman is a man. Is a man with a penis. 
We'll, we'll come back to men with penises who think they're women, but not for long, but we will do a little five-minute stint on it because the Prime Minister of the UK has been talking about it and the former President and would-be next President of the United States, Donald Trump, has also been talking about this stuff as well. Imagine that, eh? Eh? <laughs> yeah. Men can have babies. This is a This is a case, I think, of... Oh, God, what is it? What's the phrase, Jean-Anne? Life imitating art, is that it? Because haven't we had two films? One starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, about men having babies, haven't we? If uh, my great friend, God rest him, Jim Mars, was still alive, we might have a giggle about that and whether or not that's a bit of predictive programming. Men will have babies in the future if Bill Gates has anything to do with it. It's 29 minutes past the hour. Very good catch there, by the way. Very good catch. Um, I've just kicked my own website off my screen. I need to reload it again because there were several comments, including one from Kelly Mayer. How you doing, Kelly? Kelly Mayer. Why are you doing the exaggerated Irish accent, Rich? I have no idea. Uh, Baird will be watching the Six Nations and drinking stout this weekend. Good man, Baird. Oh, yeah. Ireland play Wales. England play Scotland. France play Italy. Great stuff. I to Joe Public. It was Stuart who put the link on the website to Men Will Have Women. Men Will Have Babies, excuse me, in the future. Christopher says, I enjoyed listening to Justin yesterday and lots of what he said struck home. Thank you, Christopher. Kelly said, Ireland just has to look at the rest of Europe to see where it ends. It ends with the native population being diluted and eventually erased. Nothing more racist than erasing native populations, says Kelly. We have a right to exist. It's a total inversion, and I always thought that I was a liberal, but there is a tipping point, says Kelly. Absolutely. The point being made by people like Justin Barrett and others, it's not just the right in Ireland. It isn't just uh, the conservative right or the Christian right. It isn't. These these questions are being asked by people whose politics were on the traditional left. They are saying, why, when you do not, when you are not providing adequate public services for Irish people, why do you continue to take tens of thousands of people in? Why do you do that? These are legitimate questions. Absolutely, Kelly. Stephen asks about a Getter account. There is a Getter account with my name on it. It is mine, I think. Um, I think. Uh, but I, I don't use it, and I never will use it. Uh, Bridget says, I'm up in the mountains. Good for you, Bridget. No better place to be. If you'd like to comment on the programme, get on richieallen.co.uk, comment live, and say hello to me. And leave a comment for me. The media is a pile of shite. It is an absolute pile of shite. Case in point. Tonight on Talk TV, there is a brand new programme. It is called Friday Night with Nadine. That, by the way, is Nadine Dorries, a sitting Conservative Party MP. I've whinged about this this week, but this is worth listening to or paying attention to. So Nadine Dorries has a news programme on a news television channel tonight. She is an MP, by the way. The news should be chasing people like Nadine Dorries and asking her very serious questions about lockdowns and vaccines. But no, they're giving her television programmes. Tonight, her big scoop on her debut is uh, interviewing Boris Johnson, the former Prime Minister and very good friend 
of Nadine Dorries. Ofcom should be all over this. That is the broadcast regulator, but it isn't. It doesn't give a shit. Uh, Dorries was on Talk TV earlier. She was on her new station earlier to promote the show. Uh, here she is speaking with Mike Graham. This is Vaudeville. Well, let's have a look at the interview that you've done, uh, which goes out tonight, 8 o'clock, Friday night with Nadine. Uh, here's Nadine talking to Boris Johnson. So if you're stuck in the left, who would you rather be stuck in the left with? Keir Starmer <laughs> or Nicola Sturgeon? <laughs> if you are stuck in a lift, who would you rather be stuck in a lift with? Keir Starmer or Nicholas Sturgeon. Yeah, it's wonderful that, isn't it? Do you hear that, Tom? The guy who oversaw lockdowns, dodgy jab rollouts and everything else, and she's asked him who he'd rather be stuck in a lift with. Did you hear that, Tom? No. Could you repeat it? Because I, I can't believe my fucking ears. Yes, this is the news. Well, let's have a look at the interview that you've done, uh, which goes out tonight, 8 o'clock, Friday night with Nadine. Uh, here's Nadine talking to Boris Johnson. So if you're stuck in the left, who would you rather be stuck in the left with? Kiss Dharma or Nicola Sturgeon? Wow, it's wonderful, isn't it? You daft prick. Daft prick. Anyway, what did he answer? Who would you rather be stuck in a lift with? Jimmy Cranky or Baby Blair Keir Starmer? Which one? Which one, Boris? What did he say? Oh, brother. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, that's a tough question, don't it? You know, <laughs> uh, I th- you know um, well, actually, it, you know... It's- listen, listen to this. And this is not... Um, fanciful what I am about to say. Listen to what he says next. He gives the entire game away. It's like all these things, and I'm sure the viewers would, would understand this. Both individuals are actually far nicer and more amusing than you than you might otherwise imagine. And, you know, the the kind of hostility that you see between politicians um, on screen is, is, is often not reflected in, in real life. Why? Why is that? Because you're acting? Because you're play acting, because you're reading a script that someone has given you, these people you have these spectacular arguments with are actually your mates, maybe. Um, I think, provided it was a really, sh- you know, provided it wasn't like fifty floors, I, I wouldn't mind either. <laughs> yeah, we're all mates, really. Of course you are, because you're all actors and actresses reading scripts delivered to you every day by civil servants, by mandarins and by think tanks, unelected people. You're an actor. She's an actress. You're controlled by people who are controlled by the puppet masters. This is pure effing vaudeville, this. An MP gets the television news programme to interview the former Prime Minister and say that he's a lovely fella. He's a lovely fella. And Boris Johnson, um, you'll tell us, and Nadine, you know him probably a lot better than most people do, um, a much misunderstood character, is he? Oh, I'd say very much so. And the reason why he said 50 floors was not because he wouldn't want to be stuck in the lift with them, because Boris is not your small talk man. He's he's actually quite, I know these people have this very difficult to believe, but a lot of that, a lot of the persona that you see of Boris, I think, hides what is behind, which yeah. is actually quite a shy man. Yeah. And to be stuck in a social situation of having to make small talk for 50 floors in an elevator with two other people, I think he would find excruciating. <laughs> That's not to say he's not an amazing raconteur and conversationalist. He is. This is a news channel, dear listener. Am I boring you? Just type yes in live comment. This is a news channel tasked with holding these 
bastards to account. Not only can they not do that, but they are giving them their own programs where they fucking interview one another and talk about how nice they are. This is astonishing. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the reason why he would die at the prospect of 54. Mm. Because he's not hes not the man that he's made out to be. You know, every, it's not just me. Everybody who knows him well um, would tell you that the person that is painted by much of the media because of Brexit, mm. because of COVID, but other things. What kind of fuckery is Ah, shall I just leave it there? Because I've said this too many times and you're nodding off now, so you are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If somebody had said to me it was possible 22, 23, 25 years ago, I'd have said give over. It couldn't possibly come to pass. I'm Richie Allen. I'm the BBG. It is Friday. Thank crunchy. It is 23 minutes to the top of the hour. Here's some dire straits for you. Back with some more of your comments and lots more content too. I've loads more content. We'll talk Ukraine. We'll talk trannies. We'll talk about the trannies behind their backs. I love talking about the trannies behind their backs. Then we'll talk about climate change. And then we'll talk about foosball. Why not? On your Richie Allen show. From the gazillion-selling Brothers in Arms album, Dire Straits and Walk of Life. And you see Gary Glitters out of prison, having served only half the sentence for abusing little girls. Gary Glitter, the media talking about that this afternoon. What is his real name, Gary Glitter? Is it Paul Gad? I think it might be Paul Gad. Anyway, the rotten bastard is out of jail. Let's hope they take every precaution to make sure that he never gets anywhere near a child again. Speaking of children, the UK boss of Samsung Mobile has said that he didn't give his daughter a smartphone until she was 11. This is a guy called James Kitto. K-I-T-T-O. I personally wouldn't have given her one early, but it's a parental decision as to when you should get them the phone, said this guy. You might remember the uh, chief inspector of Ofsted, a woman called D'Souza, said she was surprised that so many primary school children do indeed have smartphones. And of course, they talked about the exposure to online porn. But this guy who took over at Samsung in December of 2022, so only last month, he said uh, to the BBC Today programme that uh, he gave his daughter the phone when she was 11. He must know. Do you think, or maybe he doesn't, that the 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 top brass or the chief operators at the mobile phone companies, they must know about the dangers of non-ionising radiation. They must know that when their children are holding these things to their heads, that they are putting their children in severe danger. They must know this, right? Or maybe I'm wrong. Bit of conjecture there. Of course I could be wrong. Maybe as a dad, maybe he wouldn't give his child one of these phones if he thought that the child could be in some danger. Hi to Donal, who says Zelensky and von der Leyen have met. They have. I'll talk a little bit about that, Donal, shortly. 
Putin's in Volgograd. The White House has denied offering 20% of Ukraine to Russia. And the Irish Integration Minister, Roderick O'Gorman, uh, begs for accommodation for migrants and refugees. Donald's doing his own little news roundup on the website. We will talk a bit about Ukraine in a few minutes' uh, time. Hi to the window cleaner, who says you're on great form today. Thanks for the laughs. You're very welcome. Hi to Caroline Feely, who says, Good afternoon, Richie. It's warm down south today. Lovely to be listening on Friday and having a laugh. Uh, thanks for that, she says. You're very welcome, Caroline. Hi to Joe Public, who says, Fortunately, I don't have a television. Do you know what, Joe? I, I, I do envy and I do admire at the same time those who have managed to dispense with the idiot box, but I couldn't do without it. And it's only for the sport and for the serial dramas, Joe. I love a bit of serial drama from the United States and increasingly from uh, from Europe, from the UK and and elsewhere. So no, I couldn't I couldn't do without the old idiot box. Like me snooker, like me soccer, like my Gaelic games, and all of that. You can reach me today. Comment live richieallen.co.uk. What will we talk about next? Then we will talk about a little bit about. Uh, Oh, by the way, speaking of them laughing in our faces by giving television programmes to MPs so that they can bring on their besties, Nadine Dorries and Boris Johnson, and how vaudevillian all of this is. Boris Johnson, of course, is on film all over social media today saying that Ukraine uh, should join the European Union. You've seen this, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Leave it there, Richie. Don't get mad now. So the German government then has approved the delivery of as many as 88 Leopard 1 tanks to Ukraine. As Zelensky, Volodymyr Zelensky, the comedian present, president, um, he's hosting a summit for EU leaders in the capital. They are trying to expedite, you see, Ukraine's accession to the European Union. Yes, 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 yes. Charles Michel, the European Council president, is on the record as saying, let's get this done. Let's make it happen. It's the first EU-Ukraine summit since the start of the Russian invasion nearly a year ago. And it's the first one since Ukraine gained what is called EU candidacy status. Now, I really like David Curtin, the former teacher and the founder and leader of the Heritage Party. He's been on the programme regularly and please God, he'll be back on again soon. He's a great speaker. He was on GB News today speaking about Ukraine. It's an interesting exchange. You will hear the presenter first, then you will hear David Curtin. So you will. Look, you know, Ukraine was a sovereign nation. It was attacked and invaded illegally by a dictator who rules the end of the Soviet Union. Surely those of us who believe in the rule of law and international stability... Should be doing everything we can to make sure that UK Ukraine prevails, shouldn't we? I don't agree with what you said in your question there. There were some opinions you put in there. And the thing is, with this conflict, it's actually started in 2014. We had the Minsk agreements where there was an agreement between NATO powers and Russia and Ukraine to give Crimea autonomy and to give the Russian-speaking people in the Donbass autonomy as well. But those agreements are broken. And what you have is the Ukrainian regime, the Poroshenko and then the Zelensky regime afterwards, have been bombing and shelling ethnic Russians in the Donbass area for eight years with 14,000 people at least being killed. And so
so I think what's happened there is that Putin has basically gone in what he calls a special military operation in order to try to protect the lives of Russian people in the Donbass because Western governments in NATO were actively arming um, the Ukrainian government, which actually is filled with real Nazi battalions like the Azov Battalion and the right sector and so on. So it's not quite as how you laid out in your question. And the thing is, I think people in this country are completely fed up of it because it's got really nothing to do with the lives of ordinary people in the UK and are fed up of the government the, the, in power in, in London sending billions and billions of pounds of money and weapons to Ukraine when actually energy prices are going up here. Life is tough here. And we want the government to be concerned about what's happening in this country and not prolonging uh, and escalating a conflict in Ukraine, which could get out of hand. That was a very neat summing up, was it not, by David Curtin of what has happened since 2014. Not that I have any sympathy with the Putin regime and I am convinced that Vladimir Putin is somehow uh, as controlled and maybe by the same people as his so-called opponents. But that's just an opinion. And you've heard me get into that with some of my guests on uh, the programme of late. Very good summing up by David Curtin of what's happening in Ukraine and the bewilderment of um, his constituents and many in the country saying, what the hell are we doing prolonging this and stoking that fire? It is none of our business. Very good. And I mentioned these European Union officials are in or have been in Kiev or Kiev or however they pronounce it. And they are saying that Ukraine's future is inside the European Union. They haven't given a timeline for the accession, but let's make it happen was the comment, the enthusiastic comment by the European Council President Charles Michel. In France, they won't say Charles, you see, they will say Charles, Charles Michel. He said the EU would continue to support Ukraine in any way that it can. Uh, Michel said 18 billion euro of financial aid for Ukraine had already been lined up for 2023. This is the reason, or one of the reasons, that Victoria Newland, working for the US State Department, enacted the coup in Ukraine to get rid of Yanukovych in 2014. Because that was the plan all along by the globalist corporations behind the creation of the European Union. Why was the European Union created? It was created because the global corporations and petrochemical companies, they weren't getting their own way when every country was kind of sovereign. I'm not saying entirely sovereign. But when you had to deal with 26, 27 individual governments, that made things pretty difficult. But if you could get all of those governments, all of those countries, to sign up to a European Union where you would have single, where, where you would have a collective fiscal policy, a collective trade policy, where every country who was signed up had to go along with whatever was decided in Brussels, well, that was manna from heaven for the corporations. Why do they want Ukraine to join the European Union? To rape it, to pillage it, and to plunder it. To, to 
throw billions and billions of euros of loans from the European Central Bank into Ukraine to default the country, to bankrupt the country, and then to go in there and to pick it apart. To pick apart its water, its forestries, its utilities, everything. Rape it. It's like a, it's like a swarm of locusts, or indeed it's like a shoal of piranha. That is what the European Union is. It's a shit-gibbon of an organisation. Now, that was a very, I suppose, simplistic explanation of what the European Union is, but it's exactly what it is. If you don't believe me, see Greece, see Spain, see Portugal, see Italy, and see Ireland. It is ten minutes to four o'clock. Enough of the ranting now, you big, baldy bollocks. Okay, I'll have to remember to stop ranting. Um, here's how I feel about trans women, which is, again, it's a misnomer, it's gibberish. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I'm a kind-hearted old lefty. I, I couldn't care less what people think um, of themselves. I don't care. It doesn't offend my eyes. It doesn't harm me in any way if a man chooses to live as a woman. I support the freedom of every person on the planet to live as they feel comfortable. And if you want, you know, and I'm sure you're the same... Would you call me by this name? Yes, of course I will. Empathy, not empathy, sympathy, of course. And that's how I feel about this. Where we have problems is when spaces that were reserved exclusively for biological women are violated by men who think they are women when in fact they are not. And I won't get into that in great detail because you've heard me say this before. But it's very topical, of course. Rishi Sunak gave an interview to Piers Morgan on his talk TV programme last night, interview again in inverted commas, do it with me together, interview, exactly, because it was piss, because Piers Morgan isn't a journalist, he's nothing really, Piers Morgan. But they did get into the trans issue. He wanted to know, did Piers Morgan, how Rishi Sunak saw this. Let's hear the clip. The world's most controversial question, bizarrely, has become, what is a woman? We know that Nicola Sturgeon can't answer that. We know Keir Starmer can't answer that. You're the British Prime Minister. What is a woman? Yeah, I, of course I know a woman is adult human female. And what you're actually, though, asking when you ask that question is, I, I think, you know, what's my approach and view about how we as a society grapple with a situation where people are questioning and wanting to change their gender, their identity? Well, we just have this shocking case in yeah. Scotland where a male rapist who raped two women before he comes to trial suddenly decides to transition to be supposedly a woman. He gets convicted yeah. as a woman and then gets sent, first of all, to a woman's prison where there will be other women for him to attack. And his ex-wife says, well, this is ridiculous. He's just doing this because he wants the soft option of being in a women's prison. He's now been sent back to a male prison and therefore, we have to assume it's now being categorised as male. But this shows the problem of it, limitless gender self-identity. This is where it takes us. I, I completely agree. It absolutely does show some of the challenges with this. But look, first of all, we, we must and should have enormous compassion and tolerance and understanding for those who are questioning their gender and identity and wanting to change. And we will always be supportive of that. Of course we will. And it's right to be compassionate about that. That's who we are as a people. But we have to recognise the challenges that that poses, particularly for women's safety 
as we've just when been you discussing. See in sport, when and you that's see why biological sex really matters. It does matter. Also on the trans agenda is former US President Donald Trump, who says he'll make this a priority if he wins the next election, which is next year. I think it is next year. Here's um, the Donald. The left-wing gender insanity being pushed on our children is an act of child abuse. Very simple. Here's my plan to stop the chemical, physical, and emotional mutilation of our youth. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's cruel policies on so-called gender-affirming care. Ridiculous. A process that includes giving kids puberty blockers, mutating their physical appearance, and ultimately performing surgery on minor children. Can you believe this? I will sign a new executive order instructing every federal agency to cease all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any age. I will then ask Congress to permanently stop federal taxpayer dollars from being used to promote or pay for these procedures and pass a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. It'll go very quickly. I will declare that any hospital or healthcare provider that participates in the chemical or physical mutilation of minor youth will no longer meet federal health and safety standards for Medicaid and Medicare and will be terminated from the program immediately. He went on. Furthermore, I will support the creation of a private right of action for victims to sue doctors who have unforgivably performed these procedures on minor children. The Department of Justice will investigate Big Pharma and the big hospital networks to determine whether they have deliberately covered up horrific long-term side effects of sex transitions in order to get rich at the expense of vulnerable patients, in this case, very vulnerable. We will also investigate whether Big Pharma or others have illegally marketed hormones and puberty blockers which are in no way licensed or approved for this use. My Department of Education will inform states and school districts that if any teacher or school official suggests to a child that they could be trapped in the wrong body, they will be faced with severe consequences, including potential civil rights violations for sex discrimination and the elimination of federal funding. I don't believe you, Donald. Do you believe him? I don't believe him. Donald Trump is a pathological liar. Do you remember back in 2016, in 2015, I'll appoint a special prosecutor to go after Hillary Clinton? She's terrible. You'll be in jail. Do you remember the, the, the presidential debate, the candidates' debate? Do you remember the threats, all the things he was going to do? And, of course, he'd done none of them when he was in office for four years. In fact... The day after he was elected, or the day after the election result was announced, he went on, not Fox News, no, no, it was CBS News, I think, and he said, I don't want to hurt them, they're good people. Trump is one of the biggest liars that ever lived. Don't believe a word that he says. The time is three and a half minutes to four o'clock. Hi there, it's Eamon here from Immunex365, and I just want to give you a quick update for the new year. We are now in the depths of winter, and due to the lack of adequate sunlight, it is also the time when those of us living in the Northern Hemisphere have the lowest levels of vitamin D in our bodies. If there is ever a time to give your immune system a boost, it is probably now. 
Also, I'm really happy to be able to tell you that not only have we been able to substantially reduce the price of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last, but we can now supply directly to Ireland. For details of how each of the supplements in Immunex 365 are formulated to work together and protect you from colds, flu and other respiratory diseases this winter, just head over to immunex365.co.uk. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Yeah, nearly two minutes to four o'clock. It is Richie Allen with you Friday, unusually, in lieu of me not being around on Monday. I'm enjoying it. Little bit um, throaty, but I'm enjoying it this afternoon. Thanks for staying with me. Hi to Bruce, who says, what's going to happen when the male inmates of the UK's jails all decide they are now women and demand to be relocated to women's prisons? Well, if you believe the government, Bruce, they won't be allowed to do that. That won't happen, if you believe uh, the government, that is. Hi to Lucy, 56. How are you doing, Lucy? Nice to know you're listening this afternoon. Ollie says, Richie, what do you make of the Nicola Bully case? It's very strange, and it seems to be similar to the missing 411 cases. Ollie, I'm just going to be honest, I'm not too familiar with the missing 411 uh, case. The police have, for listeners who are maybe not in the UK, last Friday, a, a, a woman went missing in the River Wire in St. Michael's on Wire in Lancashire. She was out walking her dog. And the lady's name is Nicola Bully. And her dog was found unscathed and her phone was found and it was still connected to a Teams meeting from her place her place of work, right? So this is all very mysterious. And nobody seems to know what's happened to this woman. They, it's, it's as like she's vanished into thin air. Her family have been on television, God love them, putting out appeals. Her partner, her male partner, has been putting out appeals. It's a big mystery. However, this afternoon, the police investigating the disappearance of this woman, they've suggested that they believe that she fell into the river wire. And if that's the case, well, it might be a tragic end then for the woman. But it's receiving a lot of attention by the UK media, as missing persons cases sometimes do. You'd like to think there'd be a happy ending to that, but the police think um, it's not suspicious, they think. No suspicion, but maybe a tragic case of a missing person who they think may very well have fallen into the river. Um, Please God she didn't, and she'll be found. But I suppose they're fearing uh, the worst now. And David says, I'm happy to have a television, but you're having a laugh, Richie, if you think the BBC are getting a fee from me. Good for you. Uh, David, good for you. It's richieallen.co.uk. It is my website, Comment Live, if you'd like to say hello to me this afternoon. It's just gone four o'clock, I think. It's time for another tune. That's what I thought, anyway. It's like everything is slow today. This is Robbie Williams and Feel on The Richie Allen Show. Love this. Robbie Williams and Feel on the Richie Allen Show, Friday's edition. Thanks for staying with me. Hi to Michael Mack. Loving the show today, he says. There's a relaxed feel to it. It's a tonic. Thank you, Michael. And uh, Urban Fox or Wayne says he's read a book called The Shocking History of the European Union, 
which lays out in great detail how the founding fathers of the EU were former Nazis, some of which were involved and profited from the Holocaust. They did this with the cooperation of the US, following the exact blueprint drawn up before the end of the war. That is true. There is also a book called The Nazi Roots of the Brussels EU, and I've interviewed the authors of the book over the years, way back before the referendum. All of that is true. The the globalists, if you want to give them that very cliched name, they supported the Nazis. They envisaged a Europe controlled by Hitler who would be controlled by them. And they would carve up, of course, the minerals, the resources and everything else. That is absolutely right. We've talked about that for so long over the years. But of course, since the COVID scam, we haven't gotten into it as much. And I suppose you wonder, is there any point in getting into it, you know? And Joe came back to say on Trump, he says a lot of good things, but does or did none of them. It's absolutely right, uh, Joe, I would say. It is approaching six minutes past four. Let's listen to this. Climate change is obviously, I think we, you and I would probably agree, is going to be the next big thing. It's a big thing already. But in terms of squeezing people, in terms of narrowing the parameters, in terms of, how do I put this succinctly, in terms of, of making life harder, in terms of giving putting more surveillance on people in terms of having more control over the things we do dear listener climate change the scam that is climate change because man is not changing the climate on this planet through industrial activity it is a nonsense you know this i know this but it's the next big thing have a listen to this story on bbc television news it ran all day today it's a big weekend in the world of football now uh, we turn to sport but in the sense that the carbon footprint of football is huge and the game has a new plan to tackle it. Tomorrow, the first ever Green Football Weekend will spotlight climate change at fixtures across the country, with clubs, players and fans all taking part. Climate change will be discussed. Football clubs will bring it up at pretty much all of the grounds across the UK this particular weekend. Climate change will be the focus. Nesta McGregor explains. Port Vale might play their actual football in England's third tier, but they are top five in the UK when it comes to trying to save the planet. They are top five in the UK, Port Vale, when it comes to trying to save the planet, yeah. As part of Green Football Weekend, players like Funjo Ojo and fans can collect points for their club by scoring green goals for things like ditching single-use plastics, swapping the bus for a bike or beef for broccoli. Or beef for broccoli. Players and fans can score points for their clubs by reducing their carbon footprint. By eating broccoli instead of eating meat. By walking instead of taking the car. By getting a train instead of taking a plane. The carbon saved, the carbon not created, will get points for your club. Can you see how easily this then transfers over to the individual going about his or her daily life or lives. 
you will have a carbon tracker. You will score points. This is the social credit system, dear listener. And football clubs are rolling it out. The midfielder has completed more than 260 activities this season. Yeah, he's talking about Funjo Ojo, who plays for, for Port Vale. And he's, he's, he's completed 260 activities to reduce his carbon footprint to score points for his club. I go on the walks, I see plastic, I pick it up. If I can... He goes on walks, if he sees plastic, he picks it up. Bring a change to five young kids. It's going to make a change in the world and there's hundreds, thousands of footballers. So if we all do our bits and get some more awareness and education out there, we can actually do something. I don't see Premier League footballers giving up their Ferraris or their Bentleys anytime soon. Or maybe they will be shamed into doing that. Is that a possibility, do you think? Top sportsmen and women ditching the Bentleys and ditching the Mercedes, supercharged Mercedes and all of that for electric vehicles because they'll be shamed on social media into doing it. This is sinister stuff, this, isn't it? This weekend, the teams across the football in pyramids, including Manchester United, Liverpool and Tottenham, are making the issue of climate change part of their match day agenda. I can't wait for this because I'm at Old Trafford tomorrow at three o'clock. So I can't wait to see how the match day agenda will include some sort of lesson on climate change from uh, from the Manchester United, I don't know, hierarchy. As will championship leaders Burnley. Sunday league games are affected all the time by... Listen to this woman, she works for Burnley. And you will hear a gentleman who works for Burnley alongside her. Listen to what she says. She says Sunday league games are called off and are affected, she says by flooding due to climate change. Burnley. Sunday league games are affected all the time by pitches being flooded. Sunday league games, which I once participated in, have been affected by flooding ever since I was a child. And ever since my grandparents and their grandparents played hurling and Gaelic football and camogie. Football pitches have been flooded in the winter since Moses was in short trousers. But no, it's climate change. People get, um, you know, trains cancelled because of the heat. The players talking about what what they're what they're doing as individuals or as, as the you know the full team. It, it it can only serve as a positive to 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 make people think. Football has and continues to use its reach to affect social change, tackling racism, homophobia, and now climate change. Racism, homophobia, and now climate change. Do you remember the days when you went to the game to get away from your life? for a couple of hours. Remember those days? You're going to the game on Saturday. I am, I am. We've got City at home. They're doing really well. And we're a bit shite. But you know what? We'll have a few points. We'll have a bit of a crack. Now you go to football games and you have players and officials lecturing you about homophobia, about racism, and now about climate change, eh? Which could be its biggest challenge yet. Jesus wept. I'll, I'll, I will inform you on Monday's Richie Allen show, if not on Sunday Morning Melodies, exactly how the agenda, the match day agenda is filled with climate change lectures uh, when I go to the game tomorrow. It is 12 minutes past four. You're with the Richie Allen show for Friday. A bit of an impromptu show brought on by my absence on Monday. And uh, yeah, Baird says... There's more to complain about than to enjoy in the soccer ball nowadays. This is another reason to stop supporting it. I have managed to let it go over the years. Gary Lineker helped make giving it up easier too. 
You know, is it a stretch of the imagination to suggest that in a decade or in 15 years' time, there won't be anybody at the actual games other than the players? We had a taste of this, didn't we, during the COVID scam, during lockdown, when the football stadiums were empty for six months. And the players played, and we could hear them shouting at one another, over here, on me head, on me head, square ball, man on, man on, man on. We could hear all of that stuff. Nobody was in the ground. Do you remember the vaudevillian madness when people sent their photographs to their football clubs and their football clubs printed off the photographs and placed them on the seats where the fans should have been? Do you remember that mad shit, dear listener? I do. Is it possible that in the near future the games will be played behind closed doors in order to not create so much CO2 but we will be able to feel we are there by putting a headset on and going online to watch the games. To all intents and purposes you feel you are there but in fact you're not. You're on your sofa like that film that Steven Spielberg filmed, Ready Player One. Imagine it. This is where it's going. The lunatic asylum we live in is nothing compared to the lunatic asylum that they are building to transfer us over from one to another. This crazy, technocratic, lunatic, mad future way of living where everything you do is tracked, traced and controlled, where you get points for being a good citizen, points which enable you to do certain things. You get a carbon allowance, my God. Heather says, who's in Dubai, Hi Heather, why was the lady who's, who, who, who went missing, why was her dog's harness removed? Why was the phone on the bench connected to the call if she was on the riverbank? And she says, missing 411 or an accident? I am really uninformed about missing 411. I haven't a clue, I'll have to look into it because... Um, It's news to me, this. I've never heard uh, of this or anything like this. It's the Richie Allen Show. Quarter past four it is on Friday, the 3rd of February, 2023. The Richie Allen Show is the world's most popular independent news radio show. Listen on demand via your regular podcast provider. Let's talk about the former First Minister of Northern Ireland, Arlene Foster. That's a bit strange. A little bit out of left field, Richie. I hear you cry. It is a little bit. It's about the online safety bill. Let me read this from the Mail Online. Let me read something for you. Britain is at war with big tech and Parliament must act like it to pass the online safety bill Lord Stevenson has urged. Britain is at war with big tech and we must act like we're at war to pass the online safety bill, said Lord Stevenson. He's a Labour peer. And he has called on his colleagues to make the most of a very strange situation, that's a quote from him, of having near complete cross-party support for the legislation, the online safety bill. He paid tribute to teenager Molly Russell, who took her own life after being... This is me. This is not the article now. This is me ad-libbing here. He paid tribute to teenager Molly Russell, and I'm ad-libbing. She's the girl who took her own life and had seen a lot of material about suicide online, okay? And then the mail says, 
and other victims of online harms, he, Lord Stevenson, encouraged them to minimise dissent. Minimise dissent and to work together to ensure the legislation was delivered in time. He was speaking at the House of Lords during the bill's second reading on Wednesday. He said, now that is a big ask. I do not think it has been done except during wartime. But we are at war at war with these people who are trying to run our lives and we should try to get together and defeat them. Holy shit, right? Now, the former First Minister of Northern Ireland, Arlene Foster, was on Democratic Unionist Party, DUP, I think. Yeah, I'm right. It was on GB News earlier, speaking about the online safety bill making its way through Parliament. Let's hear Arlene Foster. And uh, everyone will remember the very, very sad case of Molly Russell, who was bombarded by a social media platform uh, with very harmful posts. And sadly, she took her own life. And even after she passed away... Uh, she was her account was still being bombarded with very harmful imaging, uh, and it just shows that everything that we see online is not there by accident. It is controlled by these platforms, and therefore, government feels, and I agree with this, um, that um, the internet, social media platforms, need to be regulated. And the proposal is um, that Ofcom will regulate the internet here in the United Kingdom. I suppose the discussion then goes to uh, how much uh, we do regulate and how much we allow free speech uh, to continue on the internet. And I think it is really important that we do have free speech. But But once that line is overstepped in relation to children's safety, in relation to committing criminal offences, then uh, I think government has to act. They don't care about children seeing suicide material online. By they, I mean the totalitarian uh, (coughs) enablers, uh, the political parties. Of course, these agendas and these draft legislation bills are not the brainchild of the British government. Of course they're not. These are these are agendas handed to them by think tanks, mandarins, civil servants. You know this. There is no there is no democracy in this country. There is no political process. It's all an illusion. So they're saying I've lost my train of thought just briefly there. But they're saying that they care about children. I don't believe they do. I don't believe they give a damn about children. At all. Um their parties, historically, their parties, all the parties have been littered by, um, uh, littered with even paedophiles and paedophile apologists. They don't care about children. They do not care if children are exposed to pornography. They do not care if they are exposed to paedophiles. They do not care. They are using this this threat that children are unsafe online to take down material that they believe basically pulls back the lid and reveals just how things are really run. And you see this when they talk about legal but harmful. What they really want to do is bring this legislation in and say it's about pornography and say it's about paedophiles. But it isn't really. It's about children seeing things about medicines. It's about children seeing things written by and posted by real doctors who say that vaccines are harmful. That mRNA vaccine, um, say it for me, research and development are unnecessary, that they represent a danger to humanity. That's the sort of stuff they don't want children seeing. They don't want you seeing 
like I said, scientists from Ivy League universities who've said that mRNA technology is a serious threat to civilization. That's the stuff they don't want children seeing, or anybody else for that matter. But they bring it in by saying that the moral panic, children are at risk of porn online, which they are to an extent, and they are at risk of pedophilia online. So we've got to punish the big tech firms and tell them if they do not take down harmful content, we will send you to prison. That is the owners of the companies. But what they're not saying is the harmful content will be broadened out to include lots of stuff. Like some of the things we talk about on programmes like this. They want to get rid of programmes like this. In the United Kingdom, there isn't another programme like this. There is not a daily live radio programme which talks about everything and interviews everybody irrespective of what their point of view is. There isn't another one. This is what they're coming for. Under the guise of we've got to stop children seeing suicide material, seeing porn and bumping into paedophiles. And I can't put it any better or any simpler than that. Because nobody can argue with that. Who in the right minds can argue with preventing children from seeing very disgusting material on the internet? But it's not about that disgusting material. It's about all the other stuff. It's not just kids either. It's all the other things they don't want you seeing. They don't want you to see or hear rational discussions on programmes like this with doctors like the wonderful uh, doctors we've had on recently, Dr. Jane Dunnigan. What a woman. On this programme on Wednesday, talking about vaccines. That's what they want to come after. And this is why they want to give Ofcom domain over the internet and over the tech companies so that they can get to us and to programmes like this. Let's hear a little bit more from Arlene Foster then. Well, I think there are still some lords, particularly uh, on the left, who would like to see the controversial legal but harmful clause put back into the legislation. Very important. They've taken that out because some grumbling backbench Tories said that this is basically tyranny, that this is dystopian, right? Legal but harmful. You can't delete something that is legal just because you think it might be harmful. So they took that out, but there is a desperate rush to get that back in, and I think they'll get it back in. Well, I think there are still some lords, particularly uh, on the left, who would like to see the controversial legal but harmful clause put back into the legislation. There may well um the amendments that come forward in that regard. But I think there is a distinction uh, between adults and children um, and indeed between uh, vulnerable people. We heard some very passionate speeches uh, about those with learning difficulties and how they could be influenced by accessing material online uh, as well. This is not about controlling from my perspective, Tom. It's about safety. Uh, And it's about making sure that our children, uh, when they access things on, they can't access uh, anything online that they couldn't access offline. So it's it's about levelling out the field so that we keep our children safe. And I think that's really important. Right. Okay. Anything else from her? I think there was something else. Likewise, I think it's important that 
Uh, we are able to access information if we want to online. There are some peers who would like to deal with misinformation, as they call it, and, and uh, bring in controls on that. I don't agree with that. I think people who are adults should be able to make their own judgments in relation to that information. Very interesting. She's basically saying that grown-ups should be allowed to look at whatever they like and determine for themselves whether the information is correct if it's accurate, if it has, if it holds water, that nobody else should determine for you or for me whether something is uh, potentially harmful for us. We should make that decision. Good, good for her. Uh, But I do think as well we need to tackle, and this is something I feel quite strongly about, this whole idea of anonymity of posting. So if someone threatens to kill me online... Let's leave that there, because I understand where she's going with this. Anonymity. But if somebody threatens to kill a politician, they are breaking the law. And the social media company should assist the authorities to do everything they can to find out who the person is making the death threat. So in that sense we can agree that the anonymity must be withdrawn from ever from whoever owns that account. But there are people who choose to be anonymous on the internet and they don't threaten to kill people. They choose to be anonymous because there are real-world consequences for expressing their point of view, especially in these times, in these cancel culture times. There are people who have said to me, Richie, I remember a few years ago, you used to get pissed off with having discussions with people who had stupid usernames and stupid avatars. I did. I got pissed off with it. Now, I didn't at that time. I've never said that, you know, anonymity should be banned. I've never said that. I just said that I got annoyed with dealing with stupid names and what what have you. But it's absolutely true that people want to say what it is they want to say. They want to express their opinion and engage in a debate online, but they might lose their jobs. They might be cancelled. Somebody might complain them because they have a particular point of view that isn't popular. So they choose to tweet or to post to Facebook under uh, the protection of anonymity. And I totally support that. Arlene Foster is thinking of herself, you see. You know, some Republican threatened to kill me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's an idiot. We should find out who he is and he should be dealt with. But as for the rest of us, you know, some of us need to tweet, and not me, of course, uh, there's, there's no going back for me, but some people do need to tweet anonymously because if they don't, it could have real world consequences for them, as I said. It is 27 minutes past the hour. I'm going to stay on with you for a bit longer. I was going to finish at 430 so I was, but I'll stay on a little bit longer because I do have two more news stories to do. So it might end up being a bit longer in the edit later on. Anywho, but it gives me the chance to take a tune so I can catch my breath and have a drink of water of agua sin gas. I did pick up one or two phrases during my time in España with El Frogo Tremendo. This is KC in the Sunshine Band and Give It Up from 1983. KC and the Sunshine Band give it up 1983. Don't ask me about the chart position. I used to know that stuff, but I couldn't tell you now. Wunderbar. 
Now, William tells me that missing 411 or 411 is about mysterious disappearances of people in the American National Parks. Okay, I might or might not have a look into that because America's National Parks are massive and there are grizzly bears there and there are lesbians there and trans people and and it's dangerous no but they're massive massive areas of land aren't they the american national parks um well i I'll, I'll have a look into it then bruce says richie on the plus side the overpaid players will be replaced by artificial intelligence computer generated matches ah the future looks bright says says bruce I'm going to play that song tomorrow. The future looks bright. so The future's so bright, I've got to wear shades. Got to wear shades. David says Arlene Foster oversaw the renewable heat incentive cash for ash scandal that came to light in 2016, reportedly costing the public purse £500 million. She cannot be trusted, says David. David, amen. None of them can. Hi to Claire. How are you doing, Claire? In County Leitrim. If I'm wrong, Claire, tell me to feck off. She says, can they not just feck off with their climate bull crap? Why does this nonsense have to permeate every aspect of daily life, including recreation? I really wish people would start to push back finally. You know what I might do tomorrow when United start? Because I know what's going to happen. Tomorrow, by the way, they will mark the 65th anniversary of the Munich plane crash. Um, which is very famous and very tragic. A uh, plane crash which happened in 1958 in Munich in Germany when um, many people died, including um, a, a large number. Is it eight Man United players who died in the crash? I should know this off by heart. I'm a United diehard. But the mind is wandering all over the place. Now, they'll mark the 65th anniversary of it tomorrow. I'm sure Sir Bobby Charlton might be there, although God love him, he hasn't been well of late. But they are planning to do something around this whole clubs fighting climate change tomorrow. So what I might do, and I'll do it in honour of the listeners of the Man United radio programme, I might streak tomorrow. Do you reckon I'll get away? The only thing is, when you streak, and by streaking I mean I'll take off all of my clothes, leaving myself standing there in my birthday suit. And then you've got to quickly run down the steps of the stand hurl yourself over the advertising hoarding and then run as fast as you can around the pitch before the stewards inevitably catch you. Now, I think I'd be able to stay away from the stewards probably for a record for a record amount of time. I'd probably break the record. Remember Erica Rowe all those years ago, speaking of the Six Nations. Erica Rowe, she streaked at Twickenham. She was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. You see, I, I would bring streaking to its knees because I'm not gorgeous I think if you're going to streak you should be gorgeous I'm in great shape mind and I have um, you know a reasonable sized tallywhacker so if I was to hurl myself over the hoardings in protest at this climate bullshit I'd need some people to take somebody would grab it with their smartphone somebody would manage to, to film it and put it out there what you reckon dear listener will I do it the only thing is of course I'll be barred for life from Old Trafford and uh yeah. And I don't want to be barred for life from Old Trafford. Hi to Steph, who says, went to the dentist today, reading the news screen. We were advised to walk or cycle to the dentist. Could be fun if we have an extraction, <laughs> says Steph. 
<laughs> Love your show, she says, and your rants. Thank you, Steph. And Stu, who's Dan Sath in sunny Essex, he says, great show today, Richie. A big hello from sunny Essex. Thank you very much. And Michael says, I'd love to know the level of impact the rainbow laces made. Remember the rainbow laces, which footballers wore to show solidarity with the LGBT plus community, which I have spent years. Leif Erickson. Leif Erickson, if he was still alive, couldn't locate the 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 the, 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 the country or the piece of land where this LGBT community is. Christopher Columbus, if we dragged him back from the grave, couldn't find the LGBT plus community. Where is it? Is it an island? Is it a peninsula? Does it have a president or a prime minister? It's a load of bollocks. Gays and lesbians have never had it as good. And proper order. Thank God they've not had it as good as they do now. Gays and lesbians of a certain age are delighted. Why are they delighted? They're delighted because people don't give a shit. Don't care. It's the least interesting thing about you. Who you go to bed with. Couldn't give an arse. No pun intended. Couldn't care less. Jesus, don't tell me. Why are you even telling me? This uh, former New Zealand rugby player came out of the closet. Get back in. Get fucking back into the closet. And keep your sexuality to yourself. I don't broadcast that I'm straight to people. Because it's the least interesting thing about me. And I should boast. I've got a be- I go to bed with a beautiful, rather fetching young filly from France. I should be broadcasting that. Look at the state of me. And do you see who I go to bed with? Of course, that doesn't mean that anything ever happens, and most of the time it it doesn't. Hi to Beryl. How are you doing, Beryl? Shall I do one final story, shall I? Let me do one final story. Scale. Uh, the, the, penultimate, the penultimate scale. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, this is the final one. We're going to talk about... We're going to talk about Mason Greenwood. Now, Mason Greenwood is a footballer currently employed by Manchester United. He's 21. And he hasn't been playing for the best part or pretty much a year after the club suspended him pending the outcome of a police inquiry into allegations made against him that he threatened to rape his girlfriend. A video emerged about a year ago and most people saw it if you use Twitter or use Facebook. And in the video, it seemed to show this young man threatening his girlfriend uh, who had refused sex, uh, had refused to have sex with him, threatening her and swearing at her. Later on, it was alleged, or she alleged, that he beat her up. And there was a distressing image of her with uh, blood pouring out of her head and her nose and one thing and another. So the police, quite rightly, based on this video, went to check it out, arrested Mason Greenwood, and after a long period of procrastination, it seems to me, they eventually charged him. And the trial was due to go ahead later this year. But yesterday, or, or, or late yesterday afternoon, I think, the Crown Prosecution Service came out and said that they wouldn't be proceeding with the case, that new evidence had come to light, and key witnesses were basically withdrawing and wouldn't be testifying 
in any court case. So the internet's gone mad, of course, and the virtue signalers are jumping out from every corner, out from behind every bush, screaming at this man. He should never play football ever again. United fans have been on news programmes today screaming that the guy should never play football again. And if he plays for United again, they're going to tear up their season tickets and all the rest of that. It's interesting, this. Why is it interesting, Richie? Because it um, we spend a lot of time talking about can- cancel culture. And, this, you know, the, the attempts by certain groups of people to destroy the lives of people, not temporarily... But forever, if they if they step over a line, if they offend, or if they commit certain crimes. What do you think of it, Richie? Can I get that out of the way? If he was the man in the video, and it seems that he was, it's terrible, really. I mean, what, what else can you say about that? I can tell you with a straight face, I'm not saying this for a laugh. Many an occasion in the 20 years we've been together, Many is probably stretching it. But on occasion, when I've been amorous, the future missus has said, I'm not up for it. What happens then? Two options. Cold shower or top shelf magazine retire to a quiet room. I'm not saying that to be funny. Those are your options. Fair enough, love. Maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after. You don't threaten, threaten a woman and you don't beat a woman up because she's refused to have sex with you. If he's done that, it's abominable. There's no context that justifies it. But I think people like Marilyn Hawes from Freedom From Abuse, who was on the programme the other night, I think Gail Dines, the English academic working in Boston, they're doing a lot of work around the violent pornography that young men have been watching for years and the impact it might be having on their minds. And this week it emerged that a very large survey, the very first one of its time, revealed that a lot of young men and women, in fact more than half, kind of expect sex to be rough. This is mad shit, this, really, when you think about it. This is a genuine survey. The BBC reported on this. Don't ask me to tell you now who led the study, but I did did report on it last week, didn't I? So they've said that younger folks think that roughness is pretty normal and kind of to be expected during sexual encounters. That's staggering stuff, really. Am I offering, I I know there are women listening to this, so please don't misunderstand me. Am I offering an excuse to the young lad, uh, to the man, he's not a young lad, he's a man, he's a 21-year-old man. No, I am not at all. But I wonder if these things are becoming more commonplace. I want sex. Well, I don't. Well, you're effing going to give it to me or else. I wonder if that's becoming more common in society. What do you do with this guy, Mason Greenwood? Let's listen to Jim White. He's a famous football writer. He was on LBC with Nick Ferrari this morning and had this to say. Ah, sure. I've only lifted the wrong fader. Let's try that again. Jim White on LBC today with the correct fader elevated. There's a difference between pressing charges and being innocent, as you know, Nick. And the problem that United have is that those allegations, those video allegations, have been so widespread that for them to stand by him just looks very, very difficult. Uh, I can't see how they can. Now, listen, they're conducting their own process, they say. 
surely in the last year they will have worked out where he stands in those allegations. I think what that process means is where they stand, where they stand legally about his contract. And the problem they've got, Nick, is that they are a club that requires large amounts of commercial support from backers, from sponsors. And how will that look if they are standing by someone with these allegations still hanging over him? Even if the Crown Prosecution Service aren't going ahead, I can't see how they can reconcile that. Help me with something, Jim. I'm not a United fan. I am cursed with following the pride of the East Midlands. That would be Leicester City, the fabulous Foxes. Uh, so I'm not that familiar with United. How good a player was he? Or is he, I should say? Superb. No n- n- no question. He is, he is a real talent, a generation-defining talent. He's only 21. Uh, and, you know, United are, at the moment peculiarly short of players of his capability in his position. He's a man who finishes goals, the the, the, the greatest uh, requirement in a yeah. football team. Yeah. So, yes, it, it would be terribly easy to put him in. Now, listen, it's interesting, this. There is another Premier League footballer whose club has stood by him while charges are being investigated uh, and plays every week. He's not named... Everyone knows who he is. Wherever he goes, he gets booed. So there's another club standing by someone in these circumstances. Where I think the Greenwood case is different is the the, the real kind of... The, the, the depth of those allegations, that video that did the rounds was, was so appalling that I cannot see how United can step back from that. Yeah, it was pretty shit, the video. But it's also emerged, the police said, didn't they, that new facts have come to light. That's exactly what they said. And, and it's also been acknowledged that during the last six, eight, nine months, Mason Greenwood, this footballer who, like the uh, press guy, the, the sports writer, said is a generation-defining talent. He's ludicrously, ludicrously uh, talented. Not that it should... Maybe I shouldn't mention that again because it doesn't really matter, really. Um, I, I, I genuinely don't care if he ever plays for United again or not. That's where I am on, on this. Um, but the police said that he did breach the terms of his bail during the last several months, but that he wasn't arrested and returned to prison. Now, it's kind of widely known that he has been seeing his ex-girlfriend, the 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 victim in, in, in this particular case, and it's believed that those meetings have taken place with the consent of her parents, that there may have been some reconciliation, hence her deciding, maybe deciding not to testify in the criminal case. Now, a lot of women who were abused by their husbands or their boyfriends and were not believed by the police and men who were never convicted, they're understandably pissed off about this and I totally get this. I totally get why they're pissed off because they might feel that she's being controlled, that she's the victim of coercion and that she's not, um, you know forgiving him of her own volition if that is what has happened it might be the case that the guy has agreed to undertake some therapy, some counselling uh, some anger management classes who knows, nobody knows you see the, what, what, what the context really is but um, I'm always fascinated by the media, not just social media the, the, the leap to permanently destroy 
permanently destroy the individual um, and kind of make it clear that there will never be any forgiveness ever, ever. And, and, and this is coming from people who he hasn't offended against. That's what I find fascinating. As I said, as a Manchester United player, I think it's probably likely the club will announce that they've come to some agreement where his contract is terminated, and that's fine. But he's a 21-year-old kid, and uh, where's he going to go from here? Is that's, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in context and nuance. Has he made some restitution to the victim? Are they speaking and on terms? Is he getting help? Is he genuinely remorseful for the appalling video? It, you know, I mean, this goes on all the time, but this guy's in the public eye. These are things the police deal with all the time. Domestic abuse, you know, very, very serious domestic abuse, which often ends up in in death and, and, and stuff like that. But I'm interested in that angle of it. You know, the let's ruin the guy forever. He should never play again. Well, why? That's a bit harsh, isn't it? What he did was pretty horrible, if he did it, and it looks like he did it. But um, destroy him forever? That's not fair, is it? Um, Yeah. Let her father have a say in that. Let the girl herself have a say in that, I I would argue. But it's big news here in the UK, and everybody's waiting, or everybody is awaiting a statement from Manchester United, who have just said... We're, we're looking at this internally, we're investigating it, and until the conclusion of that, we will be making no further comment. But everybody and his grandmother is having a comment on it today. Claire came back to say, Richie, you might as well streak and get banned. With the climate bollocks, football will eventually go virtual. The players will be aces on a joystick, says Claire. I wonder, will they eventually be able to put you on the pitch with your favourite footballers. You know, will it go that far, the virtual reality and the microchips planted, the interface chips, the neural interface, the what's it called, Neuralink? They'll put it on your brain and make you feel like you are running out at Old Trafford or Anfield or you might be running out for Dublin or for Kerry at Croke Park in Dublin and you really believe you're there. Could they do that sort of stuff in the future? It might be possible. Wayne came back to say, have I seen a a cruise line advert? I haven't. It's peddling woke credentials to sell cruises. The ad mentions being responsible by by not having the lights on deck all night. The thought of paying a fortune for a cruise going on deck and falling overboard because the bloody lights are out doesn't encourage me to buy a ticket, says Wayne. Nor me, Wayne. Nor me, pal. (laughs) <laughs> wow. And Heather came back to say about the missing 411 or 411 case uh, phenomenon in the national parks of the United States. They're not normal missing people, Richie. Search and rescue teams find no tracks of or no scent of these missing persons, even when their belongings or shoes are found. I sent you a message the other day as it would be great if you could get somebody on Somebody called David Polides. Why not, Heather? I'll certainly look into that and drop him a line. I'm always looking for something other than the news agenda to talk about on the programme. And that gives me the opportunity to, to, to tell you that my partner, my life partner, my soul mate, the oft-mentioned Caroline, she is busying herself at the moment 
with pre-production on a brand new podcast, which doesn't have a name yet. It doesn't have a working title. I don't think it has a working title anyway. And it is a podcast where she will interview the authors of very interesting books about why. What are we doing here? Where did we come from? And the millions of ripples that come out from that. She's really excited about it. She's about to begin scheduling people to come on it, I believe. And it won't be long. I reckon it'll be a few weeks. I reckon probably by late March, very early April. Spring, probably. Very early spring, at the latest. She'll be ready to go. I reckon, not to put too much pressure on her. But for those who are very much interested in that, in the why question, in the nature of reality, where do we come from, where are we going, time... You know, time as in what is time and all of this um, stuff. Angels, all the really interesting things. She's really keen to get started and uh, I look forward to making a formal announcement, I suppose, at some stage. It will go straight online when she's, when she's, when she's done it every week and then probably once during the week I will play it or replay it after a Richie Allen Show episode. So that's good, isn't it? We're excited about that here at BBG Towers. Everybody's excited, even the Golden Retriever and the German Shepherd. There you go. Jean-Anne is a wise woman. Jean-Anne Crowley, the thespian, the journalist, the writer, is very good, and and playwright. She's a great lady, is Jean-Anne. She says she is convinced that it is access to unpleasant porn uh, very early on before the brains are properly formed. This is impacting on young men, maybe, like um, like like Mason Greenwood. And she's not excusing Mason Greenwood. There is no excuse for saying to a woman who has said no. A woman doesn't have to explain why she doesn't want sex. My missus would say I'm tired, but she doesn't have to say that. She doesn't have to tell me that she's tired. No explanation necessary. I don't want to have sex right now. Fair enough. And if she was here, she would say, yes, it has happened. <laughs> and Richie says, fair enough. And most men will say, fair enough. Might be a bit frustrated, like. You know, because when we're amorous, we're amorous, aren't we? We're excited. And um, she says no. Not often, but she would say no. Fair enough. So to threaten her and then allegedly to later on beat her up is horrendous. And something has to be done about that. About him. It has to be stopped. He has to be helped. He must make restitution to his victim, even if she forgives him and even if she sees a possible future for the two of them. It is terribly wrong and it must be addressed. But the let's destroy the man, let's wreck him, let's label him forevermore, that's crap, that, isn't it? And yet we often talk, or we don't often talk, but we have talked or spoken on the show about There is one crime that we never, ever, ever, ever forgive. And that is, of course, the abuse of children. The sexual abuse of children. So you would be quite right to call me a hypocrite. Wouldn't you? You'd be quite right to say, Ah, Richie, you wouldn't be talking about rehabilitation for the pedo. No, but I would say that the the pedophile cannot be in prison forever. Right? The ones sharing the images. Dirty bastards, right? Sick feckers. Horrible. You've got to get them away from children at, at, at the bare minimum. 
never be around children ever, ever again. But they can't spend all their lives in jail. What do we do with them? We won't get into that now because we don't have any time. And we have discussed that or this particular issue on the radio show in the past. That is just about it for me for this Friday. I hung in there for the two hours. Are you proud of me? Can I just say this? I know times are tough for people. But um, do, if you haven't supported the Richie Allen show in the past, and if you are in a position to do so, please support it. It is an enormous undertaking by me to deliver this five days a week. The four uh, live news radio shows and the music show on Sunday. It is incredible. I mean, just today, I've brought you a a editorial-filled programme with 18 pieces of audio which had to be edited, which had to be sourced, with a script to accompany them. I've been at it since basically half six this morning. It's hard work. It's very expensive to put it on. Uh, If you haven't supported the show before, please do go to richieallen.co.uk. There is a support tab, bank account and Patreon. Help out if you can. Times are tough. If you can't, don't worry about it. Keep listening to the programme and keep letting others know that it exists. I enjoyed chatting with you today. Thank you so much. Back on Sunday morning with Sunday Morning Melodies at 10 o'clock UK time. And uh, I'll be back on Monday with the other show. That's the Richie Allen Show returns on Monday at 5 o'clock. I will be with you on Monday. I'm closing out with the Waterboys. Yeah, I'm delighted I did the two hours. Now, this will repeat for a few hours and it'll be on the podcast all the very various podcast providers it'll be on there very soon as well so share it if you find it have a great weekend enjoy yourselves look after yourselves and one another speak Sunday bye from the BBG bye now